Times 12, JR. You know I don't do the math, too. 144. 42. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have sci-fi authors who are smart today. Well, we got John over there. He can weaponize math for us. No? No? No takers? All right. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, we're going to jump into the topic. But first, I want you to know that we had proof of life from Nick Garber yesterday. He's just being worked like a dog by the uh, um, government agency that shall not be named, which he works for. But we promise he's alive, and we're going to try to get some episodes with him in the near future. Uh, and if not, we'll blame Seska. Right. Perfect blame Seska. I am guilty of something. Absolutely. So we're here to talk uh, some some, some blue, 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 with some nominees for the 2021 Dragon Awards. So first, I'm going to tell you what the Dragon Award is, in case you didn't listen to the same episode last year. So, but That's Dragon Awards. Episode, it's different people. True, true. <laughs> the Dragon Awards are a fan-voted award that recognizes outstanding achievement in science fiction and fantasy literature, comics, gaming, and filmed entertainment. They are given out annually at Dragon Con in Atlanta, Georgia, and have been going strong since 2016. Yes, even during the pandemic, they gave them out virtually. The award process consists of two steps, a nomination step, which has just passed, where each uh, work is nominated by voters. And then the nominations are tallied, and those that meet the cut are put into the finalist category. Congratulations, all of you. You made the cut. Woo! Uh, Thank you. And now you get to vote. But before we do that, let's tell you what the categories are. There are currently 15 categories available for voting. The best science fiction novel, best fantasy novel, including paranormal. They want you to know that. That's important. Best young adult or middle grade novel. Best military science fiction or fantasy novel. Best alternative history novel. Best media tie-in novel. Best horror novel. Best comic book, best graphic novel. I say we make room for another category, put post apoc back in and combine comic and graphic novel, comic book graphic. I agree. Same thing. I'm going to get the hate mail, but it's okay. Uh, I'm not to- in charge of it. Depends. Some people might love you. That's true. So we've got, I know certain people that are were upset when uh, they couldn't get nominated for post apoc anymore. But uh, we've, we've got the best sci fi and fantasy. Of current news. <laughs> best sci-fi and true sci-fi and fantasy tv series best science fiction or fantasy movie best science fiction or fantasy pc or console game best science fiction or fantasy mobile game best science fiction or fantasy board game and finally last but not least best science fiction or fantasy mobile miniatures collect uh collectible card or role-playing game wow that's a uh, mouthful so Yep. Uh, with the finalists recently nominated, we've grab, uh, grabbed a group of the 2021 nominees. This is um, the first panel we'll do. We're going to try to do some others if we can organize it. Um, obviously, we can't book everybody. So, uh, and well, I was going to say alphabetical order, but I didn't order them. So, uh, why don't we let the guests introduce themselves? So, who are you and what are you nominated for? Uh, the basically, it's you for Reader's Digest. Jonathan Brazi, you're first. My name is Jonathan Brazi. <clears throat> I'm a full-time writer. I'm a retired U.S. Marine Corps colonel, full-time writer now, living in Colorado Springs with my wife and two-and-a-half-year-old twin girls. And they uh, are adorable. Uh, I think so, too. I wasn't going to be the guy who's going to be always pulling out pictures or posting them on Facebook. That lasted about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. I'm nominated, uh, I, I'm nominated with Sense to War along with uh, Jeff Cheney. 
um, for the best military fantasy, uh, science fiction or fantasy novel. All right. And next but not least, we have J.N. Cheney, who I'm told his mom calls Jeff. <laughs> yeah, uh, J.N. Cheney, Jeff, um, if you want. <clears throat> I'm also nominated, along with Jonathan Brzee, for the same book, Sentenced to War. Um, we have four of those out now in the series. Book five is coming out in a week and a half, so right before the awards. Um, and so far, this series has been a phenomenal ride, you know. Jonathan has poured his heart and soul into it, and uh, I'm really proud of the work that we've done and um, to be nominated. Uh, this is the first time for me. I think it's the second time for Jonathan. Number yeah, two. number two. Okay. Yeah. What was that first I, nomination for? Uh, that was for uh, integration. Oh, I thought it was weaponized math. That's what my no, joke weaponized was math was for oh. the nebula. Mm. Weaponized math and and fire ant were for the nebula. Integration was for the 2018. So uh, a little bit of etiquette. If the if the host is ever wrong, you're supposed to lie to him and tell him he's right. It's oh, no, 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 no. He's never <laughs> lied to JR about whether or not he's right. He's never right. Uh, I'll win one one day. But uh, next we have Mr. Rick Partlow. I'm Rick Partlow. I live in Central Florida for the time being. I a full time writer. I write mostly military science fiction, a little bit space opera. I'm nominated for Direct Fire, which is in my Drop Trooper series, and Book Eight in Drop Trooper is coming out September 14th, so not too far away. Uh, so I better finish it. Uh, <laughs> so this is my first nomination. I'm going to be there. I'm really excited about that. So I know you have some amazing panels. Are only got two that I know of, right? <laughs> are, uh, are any of his panels going to be uh, filmed for the viewing audience? Things are the app is not as updated as the app appears to be. Okay, that is good to know. Um, are, are Doc, is they going to be uh, any of them going to be filmed this year? Uh, yes. I just don't know which ones yet. Okay. So, uh, don't ask me. Out, I'm not in charge of sci-fi. Check out the, um, the Dragon Con Facebook presence. Check out their website. They'll talk about stuff and maybe we'll get answers. So next and last but not least, we have Mr. Christopher Rocchio. Did I pronounce it right this time? You got it, man. Uh, yeah, I'm Christopher Rocchio. I am also a full-time writer. I've been writing a series called Sun Eater for the last several years. And I was also, uh, for six years, the junior editor at Bain Books. I, I quit that a couple months ago to, to write full-time. Um, I am nominated also for a Best Military Sci-Fi or Fantasy Novel for Demon in White, which is the third in Sun Eater Series number two, Howling Dark, uh, also got the nomination. So it's uh, kind of a repeat thing, which is, which is really cool. That's a big honor. You actually have the distinction of being the guest who's appeared on the podcast the most, Chris. Oh, do I really? Oh, the, uh, the, the fans would know that because they never aired because Seska has crappy potato Wi-Fi. So we recorded one episode nine times. And it never aired. Not that I'm you got something in your eye there, Seska? <laughs> no, I'm just impressed to count to nine. <clears throat> so, uh, but you know, that makes you famous or infamous. I'm not sure which. I'll take it. That's almost better you than the what? award. Uh, he has also, I've known him the longest of everybody here. Yeah, but he, did he get Hugh coffee when he was the junior editor? No, I didn't get it. I didn't get anybody coffee. Uh, now no, that I'm not working there, I can tell you coffee. that. I knew him when he was the main intern. Oh, okay. So we're so, dark. I know when I handed him a drink and said, "Here, it looks like you need this." 
So this is the part where you prove your chops that you are, in fact, professional authors. So how were you informed of your nomination? Telegram, carrier pigeon, rock with a note tied around it, thrown through your window. John, how were you informed? Um, I got an email, but for somehow I missed it. And it wasn't until the and I thought, well, I guess we didn't make it. And, and uh, then the actual announcement came out and it was like, oh, wow. And I looked back and, yeah, there was the email. Check the spam filters, Jonathan. <laughs> the thing is, it wasn't even in my junk mail. It was in my regular inbox. And somehow I have dragon blindness. Well, in your defense, you do have young kids. So you do get a pass until they're about four. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, I'll use them. So we'll work for it. What about you, Joe? He has twins. So that you might get extra time. So we'll make it five. You get till five now. Yeah. You were asking uh, how I found out? Yeah. Well, Jonathan and I were uh, waiting with anticipation. And uh, I think Rick found out first. I think before we did. He got an email. And that's what prompted me. And I was like, did they send the emails out yet? And uh, I had heard like mixed things from different people. Um, people that I, I kind of figured would get it um, and ended up getting it. But I think I had an email or no, I had a Facebook message. That's what it was. Somebody sent me a Facebook message through my, my, uh, my page, my author page. They, I, cause I guess they didn't have my email. Uh, my site was having issues, so they had to send it to me direct, but that's how I found it. And then I, I told Jonathan about it and then he went through his email list and found it. <laughs> okay. I expected something a little bit, um, you know, more imaginative, but it's still, there's still time to save it. Rick, how did they tell you? They sent it on a note with a very, very small dragon, like the owls from Hogwarts. And it knocked <laughs> on my window and told me. Probably a fire lizard because uh, the senior director of uh, operations happens to be uh, a huge Anne McCaffrey fan. You <clears throat> so mean the science fiction series? They, they like <laughs> fantasy novels? So do you mean the science fiction series, Fern? Yes, I mean the one involved <laughs> genetic engineering. So if I didn't have the go forth and vote sign, because voting matters uh, for this episode, I would definitely put on there, Pern is a fantasy novel, change my mind as a little scroll bar. But you can do that the day. Genetic engineering. Science fiction. Dragons equals science engineering. Lost colors. Doesn't Chris Fox have dragons in space? You hush. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he does. All right, Chris, tell them they're wrong. Tell them that dragons equal fantasy. Uh, that is that's basically how I feel about it. But I also think it's all fantasy, right? Uh, like all of it. Uh, I have. I'm pretty sure Vulcans are just imaginary too. So, Vulcans uh, are just twenty millimeter cannons. Twenty millimeter cannons, Chris. They're real. Yeah, although that that part might be real. Who knows? But uh, as far as uh, my email arrives by a cuneiform tablet, so I've actually had it for several thousand years, um, <laughs> which was quite a surprise. To... I didn't know what I had. I thought it was had more some... time to get the fans to vote for him. It's not fair. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I cheated. I cheated. It was, uh, there was time travel involved. But no, I mean, I got that. I got the damn email. Uh, you know, same as everybody else. Um, my, my inbox, uh, you know, I, I is probably a bit less cluttered. So I, I found it OK. <laughs> Jonathan, didn't they call you last year or last time you got nominated? Yeah, for 2018, yeah, I got a call and they said, I had no idea that anybody had even read the book. And I got a call and they said, hey, uh, your, your novel integration? And I'm thinking this is you know somebody trying to uh, 
sell me on publication or, you know, publicity or, and I'm about to say, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm Colin. I'm Dave. I'm Colin from uh, Dragon Award, Dragon Con. And we want to know if you'll accept your nomination uh, for best military and I'm just like, like what? And if they called me, I would have known to accept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I've never gotten yeah. a phone call, Siska. So I, I just said, I, I'm not in charge of that. Do I know. I I'm just saying. saying. Well, I, I didn't know. I had no idea it was coming. So of course I said yes. And then they said, Are you coming to DragonCon? And I said, Well, my wife's pregnant, and I wasn't going. To, I, I was just canceled. And I said, but I guess I'm coming now. I want to know how they got your number. <laughs> um, maybe maybe when I did the pro thing, but you have to sign up to be a I was a pro for oh, the yeah. Dragon Guns. Mm. Yeah. It would have been funny if he won and his wife had like gone into labor right there on the stage with him <laughs> accepting the award. That could be a story you could tell for generations. But well, we have a lot of Ian's Valley, I, got, I got that call and that's what I thought it was as I'm <laughs> oh. sitting there in Valley. Uh, well, you could still lie and just make it up. It you got called in Valley? Uh, I was at 20 Books Valley. How did uh, they get your number in Valley? What? How did, did they call you like in the hotel phone or did Oh no 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 that was I got the call about which I thought was my wife giving birth. Oh okay. Fair Ooh. enough. All right. Well, they really track you down. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get away if you try. <laughs> okay. So what were your first reactions when you found out you got nominated this year? Um, Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, I, I was surprised. I didn't. I wasn't expecting it at all. Considering the book came out in the middle of you know last year's everything shut down, I wasn't sure that people had read it either. Uh, and it, it's always both years now. I've ended up in a in, in a, the category I didn't. I think I belonged in. I ended up in military SF instead of SF. Uh, so I was I was again surprised. Uh, you know, honored to be here, but I never really thought about the series as a military series. So uh, you know, a bit bit. You know, still a bit perplexed, but it's cool. Uh, well, Darren likes to say fans can just recategorize things however they want. So I mean, I've seen some stuff in the media tie-in that weren't tied to any media property I'd heard of. They just had media in them. So, like some of the lit RPG books have made it to media tie-in. <laughs> They're like for imaginary games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not so, which can know. be the best kind. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jeff, how did you? How did you react? Cause oh, I was I was elated. I uh, I immediately I think I called or messaged Jonathan, and I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> um, so that that made my week when I found that out. Never been nominated for an award before, except for an Audi, uh, but that's more for the narrator. So this was the first time a book of mine had been selected, and uh, yeah. So you know, we celebrated here. Me and my girlfriend went out for a steak. So that was a good day. How do you have your steak? Anytime you go out for a steak, man, it's a good day. Absolutely. How do you, how do you get cooked? So, and Jonathan, you said that you you kind of already answered with that. You went and immediately went to go find your email, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I I, had, yeah. I was sure that I hadn't that we didn't make it. In fact, I told Jeff that I said, "Well, you know, they'd be informing people by now. We haven't been informed." I called someone else I thought that might have made it, and he didn't make it. Uh, he hadn't been informed, and I had just sort of said, "Well, you know, it would have been nice." But I'd already been let down, so to speak, 
and was going on my way. And all of a sudden, Jeff contacts me, and I'm like, what? You know, and it was just like a total. So because I was so let down, you know, I I think the, like the, the, the rise was so high. And I, and like I went well into my email to try to find it, and there it was. So, so this is an important question before we move on to Rick and you know whoever else has an answer. Jeff, Rick, I really want Rick's answer. Hold on, I need to know how Jeff takes a steak. This is important. What? His fans might want to know how he takes. How do you steak. steak? How I take my what? Steak. steak. Oh, ah, uh, medium rare. That's the only okay. way to get it. That's the only way to do it. If you had said like "well done," they might have not voted for you. Oh my God! No, no, no. I like I like I like me I like medium depending on on how the the restaurant cooks it because yeah. sometimes they cook it a little bit light. So yes, get, medium. Yeah, I get medium rare because a lot of times uh, when it comes out, they can always throw it back on the grill for a minute or two, but they True. can't they can't remove it. So, um, and also yeah, so just from really cooking good. so much steak, you know, when you take it off, it it continues to cook. So True. if they're slow in the kitchen. It can uh, cook a little longer than uh, than it should. That's true. Fair enough. So he likes his cow still mooing. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I like my cow still mooing. But Rick, your turn. What was the question again? <laughs> How do you take your steak? When I when I found out, I was really happy. I I, I wasn't shocked because. Uh, I don't know. You know, I've been trying to get my fans to vote for me, you know, because I've never been nominated. For, I've never been nominated for any award. And this was kind of this is like an opportunity. And but I was really psyched, you know, this, this is the first award that I've been nominated for, you know, and I I have like 44 books published. So it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm really and I, I was already planning on being at the Dragon Awards. So I was like, yeah, picked a good one to attend. So, yeah, no. I how mean, long? Um, how long before your wife's like, "All right, I've heard about it enough. We're not talking about this anymore." <laughs> uh, no, I, I haven't talked with her about it that much. She, she doesn't even read my books. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I know how that is. Mine doesn't either. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. She doesn't like science fiction. Mine doesn't. Yeah, that's what? a secret. That's the secret to a long-lasting relationship. Don't <laughs> let her read your books. Find out how weird she you are. Doesn't like it. <laughs> they're really going to be broken. <laughs> Maybe right. that is it. I don't know. I, I don't, don't ask me for marital advice. You'll just end up divorced. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So um, what does this nomination then mean to you as an author? You could be as sappy as you want. Uh, I don't care if you know, ninja sneak up on you and start cutting onions, but uh, is it going to be a marketing thing or is it just a, a nice little trophy to throw on your bookshelf? What do you, what do you think is going to mean to you? And we'll start with you first this time, Rick. Oh, um, as an author, um, well, on a personal level, obviously, I, the nomination is a really great honor. Uh, it kind of means, as on, on just as a on a writer level, not not a, somebody trying to sell a book, but on a writer level, it means that you've you've managed to get enough people who care about your writing that they think about you when it's time for this kind of nomination, which is really, you know, really touches me that there's that many people that, that care enough about it that when, you know, when the, when they look and they bring up the dragon awards and they look at military science fiction, they, uh, they put my name down. So I, I, that was really cool. Um, as, as a, 
on the marketing side of writing, I mean, being nominated always helps, you know, make maybe, well, not always, but it might, might make the difference when somebody's looking at two different books and this one's been nominated for some kind of an award. Somebody might look at it a second time, but yeah, it's just all around great. I'm really thrilled and honored to have been nominated. So have you gone forth and changed your book cover yet? 2021 um, Dragon Award nominee. I have not changed um, the ones that I control, but uh, I have some books that I have published with uh, Promantha Press with Scott Bartlett, and he has changed those to say <laughs> Dragon Award finalists down at the bottom. So Nice, nice. All right. So, Chris, you get to be next. Well, I'm mostly going to steal Rick's answer. The cool thing about the Dragon Right is that it's it's uh, voted on by just regular people, right? Just regular readers, not a board of judges or experts or anything like that. And I think I said the same thing uh, last time I was on the show. And it's just cool, like Rick said, that there are enough people who care about what it is you do uh, to put your name down, uh, which is which is awesome. So. All right, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, I've been in this business now for. Oh man, seven years just writing full time. And, uh, you know, I've been reading science fiction since I was 16. So, late reader. Huh? A late reader. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on, a, on, <laughs> on my, my younger education. We, we weren't, there's no required reading. My friend graduated high school without knowing where periods went. So, oh, <laughs> very bad. Yeah. So, I got into, I got into reading um, because of my mom. And uh, so, you know, and then into sci-fi as I got older and got nerdier, as you tend to do. And my first book I got into was uh, Ender's Game, which I now have like three signed copies of. So that's cool. And to see, like when I first picked that book up, I picked it up because it said Nebula and Hugo winning book. And I was like, I don't know what these awards are because I was still new to the genre. Uh, but I picked that book up for that reason in a bookstore. And... Uh, Ever since then, I've always kind of like wondered what that would be like to be nominated for, you know, for an award. And over the years, I just kind of assumed, you know, because uh, I'm an independent writer, that uh, those were a little more out of reach. But with the Dragon Awards, there's no committee. Uh, like Chris said, there's no uh, board that's deciding whether you're worthy enough. It's all fan based. And I think to get nominated in that way is even more encouraging than, uh, than the alternatives. You know, to know that enough people believe in you and like your stuff enough to just to actually buy it and support you. And then to put your name down when they think of this category, uh, it's phenomenal. You know, to see to see my name next to Rick's and Jonathan's and Chris, uh, there's no higher honor, I would say. And Walter John Williams, who's like Mark one of my heroes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, started, I read Walter John Williams when I was, back in the 80s when I was thinking about starting to write. He was one of the ones that inspired me to, and now I'm on the same list as him. Yeah, yeah, and you've earned your spot. I mean, you said you've written 40-something books. Um, I've read your writing. Uh, we're planning to work together later this year, and uh, you're an exceptional writer, and I know Jonathan is too from working with him. So well-earned, I'd say. All right. Thank you. Last but not least, Jonathan, what does this mean to you? I think this one – as I said, I've been up for the Nebula Award, and I was very happy about that, and I'm proud of I'm proud of that. But this is the Reader's Award. And this is not the industry. This is not who you know. This is not political. 
this is what the readers actually like. And there's enough of the readers out there that you, you really can't game it. Uh, you're not going to get slates. Um, so that's what really makes it special. And it's like everyone else has said, the idea that a reader is actually reading your books and thinking enough of them. I, I was just at my high school reunion. Uh, it was a 45th done 46 years later in Des Moines. And one of the hus one of the spouses there came up to me and he said, hey, congratulations on the Dragon Award. I just nominated you. And it just blew me away that here's somebody I've never met before who was really excited to meet me and let me know that he just uh, voted for the book. That really means a lot to me as a writer. And it's, a, it's an affirmation that what I'm doing actually matters. Um, and, and Rick was just talking about Walter John, uh, uh, Walter John Williams. You know, when I was up for the Dragon Award, I was up against David Weber. And that was the first time I met him. And that was so cool for me to someone that I read all his books. And now all of a sudden I meet him. And then I get invited to show up for his, uh, for his renewal of his vows with, uh, with his marriage. Sort of makes you feel like you've arrived. Um, the commercial side, I, yeah, I do, I do have that in my USA Today uh, on, on some of my books. Uh, I have it in my bio. But that's not the real thing that drives me for this. It's the affirmation from the readers. Oh yeah, you get those emails. Been worth it. You get those emails and everything. Like sentence to war. I mean, just that that book alone. I've gotten over the last week since the uh, the nominations started coming in, tons of emails from readers who I didn't even know we had that many uh, voters. And uh, you know, just in our in our Facebook group and our in our social circles, I'm getting emails from people I've never even talked to, and they're like, "Hey, I just want to let you know, like I voted for your your book." I mean, that's phenomenal. Just out of the blue, you know, and, you know, you thank every one of them, but that's that kind of motivation that keeps you going, that keeps you motivated. So uh, definitely. I definitely think that's why you do it, right? You do it for the readers because at the end of the day, they're they're the ones that keep you keep you going. Uh, since we we didn't have this in the, the outline, Doc, so you're going to have to wait on question eight for me. But uh, Jeff and Jonathan, we'll get you first since you co-wrote together. Can you give the quick synopsis of what Sentence to War is, the book you're nominated for? And if you can grab the cover, I'll show it on the screen. Uh, Jeff, you want to grab the cover? I don't think I have it here. Oh, I mean, I have one. Do you have it in your office? All right. Well, while you're telling us what it is, I'll Google it and find it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have it here. I'm, I'm bad at this. Ah, I, I found I, it. I can write a novel, but it's hard for me to describe it. <laughs> Basically, Jeff and I got together. We, we discussed writing something together, and I decided to give it a shot. Um, I didn't think I was able to. I didn't think I was a really good co-writing type person, but Jeff has really made it very easy, and I think we've worked well together. But basically, in, in some ways, it's your typical um, fish out of water. A guy gets forced into the military. But over the over the course, he finds himself. Uh, uh, he becomes, as most of my Marine Corps books. There you go. For most of my Marine Corps books, um, there's the typical tropes of duty, honor, uh, uh, discipline, um, loyalty to your fellow Marines. 
And so those those little tropes are going under, but I'm I'm trying to make it a, in a different universe, where, which has different um, obstacles in in the way. And the first three books uh, concern the first contact with an alien race, and since there's very little understanding of each other, very little difficulty at knowing who they are, what they're thinking about, it breaks down into war, and things aren't going well for humanity. And that's where uh, our hero, Rev, Rev Pelletier, um, comes into the war. Yeah, he's initially uh, sentenced to war, as the title infers, because of a minor traffic violation. So his his government, they're they're not able to draft people because the citizens won't stand for it. So they get around it by you basically jaywalk uh, and <laughs> sentence you. In his case, it was yeah. a traffic, it was a traffic ticket. I'd be screwed. <laughs> <I know. laughs> we wanted to make it something that was like a little funny, but also relatable and accessible. Um, throughout the story, uh, you know, he receives upgrades, new equipment. He grows as a person, but he also grows as a soldier. And uh, that sort of progression. Hmm? He grows Marine. as a Marine. Marine. Grows Marine. Very, oh, different. Very different. Sorry. <laughs> Former Air Force. Yeah, you're, lucky didn't, you're lucky he didn't say Airman. Oh yeah. All right. Definitely different. But yes, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, I, I forget sometimes. Jonathan's a former colonel in the Marines, so I have to be very picky about how I how I word things. <laughs> but yeah, no, we've had a lot of fun with this story, and um, it's definitely grown as we've gone forward. Like the world building has expanded significantly, and we've. Jonathan was here, uh, when was that, like a month and a half ago, two months yeah, ago? Month and a half. He was here, and uh, we had dinner and hung out at the house and just like went over future story arcs and how we could grow the universe naturally and expand out in a way that would be really engaging and fun for readers. So I think we've got a really good, um, a really good you know, outline for the, for the series, but just the next few books are going to be, I think, a, a lot of fun. We're getting a lot of good early feedback on book five, so that's nice. Always a good thing. All right, Rick, you, what were you nominated for the title? And can you give us a synopsis? Uh, the title is, is Direct Fire, and it is the fourth book in the Drop Trooper series. And uh, ironically enough, the Drop Trooper series is about a guy who is sentenced to war. <laughs> it's, uh, he's, uh, he's basically he's an orphan who was raised in the ruins of what used to be Tijuana before a nuclear war. And he, as a child, he goes to Trans Angeles, this is a big, big mega city where Los Angeles used to be. And he's raised by a series of foster homes until he becomes tired of being abused and goes out in the street and becomes a street criminal. And eventually he's arrested and given the choice of going into punitive hibernation or joining the Marine Corps because there's a war on and they need people. So he uh, goes into the Marines and just like Jonathan and uh, Jeff's character, he grows and he eventually goes to officer candidate school in the book before this. And in this book, it's the end of the war and he's growing into his position as a, as an officer and becoming more responsible and, and learning not just how to be a good Marine, because he'd already done that, but learning how to be a leader, which he'd had trouble with because he'd always been a loner. And this this book is the uh, the culmination of that 
during uh, the, end, the end part of the war against the Tawny, which is a basically a alien race of religious fanatics. Okay, those sound like pleasant people. So, <laughs> all right, I apologize that the. Uh, um, that I, go ahead. I, I'm just giggling because I, I'm familiar also with Chris's, and there seems to be a theme in our books tonight. <laughs> so, I, I do want to know you know who else had punitive hibernation? Demolition Man, and we saw how that ended up. Just <laughs> So, well, in my universe, the punitive hibernation, the reason he didn't go for that is because every, nobody's ever come out of it. And they're all pretty much sure that the judges are just going to forget to unfreeze them and just leave them in there. Oh, I thought maybe he just didn't want to learn to knit. <laughs> I well, love knitting. <laughs> all right. Last <laughs> Most feminine means, thing I do. You threatened to stab me with those needles. I don't exactly know how feminine that is, but. We'll move on. Well, you know, it's not my fault that you're annoying. <laughs> All right, Chris, let's talk about your book. So, what are you known for? What are you? Yeah, so uh, Demon in White is the third book in my Sun Eater series, which is sort of a space opera, kind of in the tradition of Dune. And uh, being book three, uh, it is a continuing story of Hadrian. Hadrian is a sort of a knight at this point. He is a nobleman. He ran away from home. He didn't want to be a priest. Uh, he wanted to be sort of a scientist and try to bring peace between humanity and these aliens, the Sielsen, who have been threatening the Empire for hundreds of years. Uh, by book three, he's been somewhat disabused of the notion that peace is possible. Uh, and he, while he was not sentenced to war, he is quite uh, stuck in the middle of one. And uh, in addition to trying to deal with these sort of uh, nomadic kind of space, uh, you know, Huns, he uh, is also... Um, Sorry, I was a classics guy, so Roman history analogies. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so in addition to that, he's also got to solve this mystery about this ancient extinct uh, you know species of aliens that he seems to have some sort of weird connection to, um, and he just keeps getting in uh, deeper and deeper trouble. As uh, not only does he have to deal with all of these things, but also uh, the empire is starting to uh, be less enchanted of him as he is building more and more of a reputation for himself. So he's got uh, knives at his back as well as uh, wells in front. So, so uh, fun fact: all of these books we've uh, discussed the first book in the series on this podcast. So if you go back through our catalog, you can find them all and listen to them talk for an hour about their book. If you want to do that before we vote, um, but all right. So, Doc, next question is yours now that I've interrupted you. <laughs> okay, and they all got in trouble with the law at some point in their books, which is uh, the other reason why I was giggling. Beats all you ever saw. I'm not a grown-up. Um, so, obviously, you guys heard what? what I, said, I was telling you what the question number was, but you, you got it, so I shut yes. myself up. Yes, good boy. As all authors are, as authors, we're all readers as well. I'm really just a reader. Um, what do you think the award means from a fan centric point of view and as readers? Um, let's see. I, I have the screen that has the little award, what it looks like. So that's yes. Um, let's go ahead and I can't remember where we we ended with Chris. So let's start with Chris. Oh, works for me. 
Um, speaking, I guess, you know, because I read some of the other books, right, that have been, uh, that are on, on, on the lists, right? It's fun uh, to be able to try and give something back to uh, to writers who have uh, given me, you know, something to read, something, you know, to enjoy. Uh, and so it's just fun to sort of complete the loop, you know, uh, give back a little bit. Good answer. Very altruistic. I approve. And well, thanks. Rick, you look so serious. What's your no, answer? I'm wondering, if, I'm wondering if I misunderstood the question. <laughs> <laughs> Are you asking how I well, look at it okay, as a reader well, or how readers will look at it? Yeah. How do you look at it as a reader? As so, a reader? I mean, okay. Obviously, um, you're a reader, right? I, when I look at it from, from, from the reader's point of view, um, you know, the, I, I not, when I nominated people, you know, because originally, you know, when, when I got the uh, link for the nomination, I, I voted my for, I voted also. And just the list of names that were up there, it was just, uh, it's just like a list of people that I've been reading for years and years, and they're kind of my literary heroes. So it's, it is really cool as a reader to, um, to have some say in, in putting that up for an award, you know, for, um, for to, to give back, I guess, to the, to the entertainment that they've given me throughout the decades. Good answer. Yeah. I think that's the big takeaway there is, uh, <clears throat> you feel like you're contributing, you know, like a lot of these more traditional, awards uh, are not selected by fans. Like maybe a, the fan vote gets you nominated or you have to be a member of the organization, whatever it is, but anybody can vote in this. Any reader can vote. And I think that having that sort of, not power, but like that accessibility to like to this award also provides sort of a connection to it. it makes you feel like you're actually contributing to this person getting this award. Like this person that you, you read the book, you know, and, um, I voted last year. I voted for, um, I think Jason Onspach was up for it. And I had actually read that book, you know, just because he's a friend of mine and I picked it up and I liked it a lot. And I thought he deserved that, uh, that win. So having that sort of ability to contribute uh, along with everyone else to have your voice heard in this chorus of votes, I think that means something that a lot of the other awards just miss out on. They don't have the and Jonathan. To me, the Dragon Awards are like the People's Choice Awards compared to the Golden Globes or the Oscars. Yeah. Um, in order to vote for a nebula, I mean, if you look at the awards that are up for, let's say, science fiction, you're really mm -hmm. looking at the nebulas, Hugos, and Dragons. In order to vote for the nebula, you need to be a member of CIFWA. Mm -hmm. There's only 2,000 members of CIFWA. Uh, in order to vote for the Hugos, you need to have have a hugo membership which is mm -hmm. you know 450 dollars and there's uh i think you know four to seven thousand at any given time so these these are gatekeepers the dragons are open to everyone and you can be i have i have readers who are bedridden and they have the they have ku and this is their life reading all the books on ku and so for me when i'm voting as a for the Dragon Award, I'm feeling my, I'm, I, I love the fact that it's open to everyone. And then when I vote, I'm really, 
I've got, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, you know, biting my fingernails, hoping that the ones that I voted for, maybe they're going to win. And when they do win, they don't always, but when they do win, I feel like, hey, that's my award too. I help, I help that happen and, and not take anything away against the Nebulas and the Hugos. But this is a different creature. No, it's meant to be a different. And our goal is, uh, I, I say our, because if, if you're new to listening, I run fantasy literature at Dragon Con. So I'm a little invested emotionally in anything dragon related, right? But that's what the goal is, though, is for the dragons always for fans by fans. And it's, we love the Hugos, we love the Nebulas, but it is a different goal. It is a different goal. And that's what makes it special. And it's one of the things that's really I've loved is there's there are as many indie authors probably who've gotten awards as traditional publishers or at least nominations and finalists made it made it to the finalists where you don't always see as many indies do as well and indies are a huge part of the reading i know um so in fact i think chris is the only one who's traditionally published tonight <laughs> well I, you have probably one jonathan but his his is the only book that's traditionally published tonight I have never, all my nominations have been for indie books. Okay. Sorry, what so, was that, Jeff? I said, don't you have a few indie uh, published books as well? Yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, yeah. But I've got I've got five anthologies with Bane, and now my fourth trad book's coming out with Daw, and then I've got two that I did independently. So. So. But yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's how it indie authors definitely get ground at just as an observation over the years since we started in 2016. So. So as, as someone who is not uh, a finalist and hasn't been, I'll answer as just a reader. And I will say it's, it is nice <laughs> in a way to, uh, to be able to influence. I grew up in the age where Fox has canceled all the good things that I liked. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. so I know exactly how dangerous it is. If you don't make your opinions known, uh, like I like this series. If they don't finish it, um, whatever that series is, I'm going to be really upset. So this is a way, you know, at least in, in the various things you can vote on, where you can tell them we really like this. Please keep doing this thing, right? And and sometimes you know that thing might not be the most lucrative, but if they know the fans are digging it through the award, then potentially that that keeps a project that might have otherwise been shelved going. So if for no other reason that you know, it's a way to thwart the Fox News, uh, Fox Entertainments of the world, you know, from canceling your favorite thing. <clears throat> Firefly. Sorry. Terra Nova. Terra Nova, too. That is for more recent than Firefly. Yes, that yeah. one had dinosaurs, too. I, I, I've got more of a grudge against sci fi for canceling Dark Matter. Can they or not, or not continuing more Stargate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they are, though. Uh, Stargate might be coming back. They're rebooting it. That's what I've heard. Yeah. I've heard I don't want them to reboot it. I want them to continue it. Oh, no. They were talking to Jonathan Shanks. Oh, were they? Oh, that'd yeah. be amazing. Yeah. So, Give me that, please. <laughs> all right. They so, might. It might not happen, but. Yeah. It probably won't because I want it to. So, Dragon <laughs> Awards. So, how do you think this award will change how uh, we interact with science fiction? Do you think it's going to change the sorts of stories that we consume or the, as authors, the kinds of stories we write? And we'll go with Cheney first. Jeff, you. I don't think so. I think that uh, there's so many authors on Amazon and, and Goodreads and all these other platforms that 
people write what they want and readers pick what they want. Uh, the awards, who gets what, it's probably not going to affect anything like overall. Um, it's not dictating what I'm writing. You know, I'm writing for the readers first and foremost and what they want and the market and, uh, and also personally, like what I like. Yeah. Clearly, um, they want criminals who go to war. Clearly, <laughs> yes, exactly. at, least, at least 2021. That's what we're they get, want. We're getting the felon vote. Yeah. Except uh, but Jonathan and I didn't sit down and say, like, let's write an award-winning, you know, <laughs> novel that's gonna. Yeah, no, we didn't think about that. We thought about like, what are what are our readers gonna want, and we built it around that. And like, how are we gonna tell the best story possible? So I don't think that fundamentally is gonna change. And I, it hasn't in 60, 70 years of writing sci-fi or however long it's been, 80, 90. Um, I don't think I over a hundred since Frankenstein. There you go. I don't think people inherently. Um, right to win awards and uh, i think when they do they probably don't make a lot of money and i think if you put the readers first you can potentially get both because now with the dragon awards i think that reflects the market whereas before pe people aren't necessarily like awards don't necessarily correlate to the common reader like what they're looking for okay jonathan can you top that I certainly can't top it. I could just agree with it. <laughs> okay. What they said. <laughs> All right, Rick. What they said is your answer. All right. So, Chris, this is your chance to shine. You can be the most wise and uh, senior citizen. Well, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> I think I'm the senior citizen here. I think you can be the wise millennial, maybe? No, oh, those you exist. Be the youngest um... person on the panel. <laughs> Uh, I think I think the only thing that I could say, right, is that the dragon's been going for what is this six years now? So I yeah. think any change that it was going to make in sort of the award-giving culture of uh, of the genres has probably happened, right? Um, and I think that what it did was was sort of widen the playing field a little bit and give. Uh, particularly, we talked about like this is a great way for uh, for indie writers to get nominated for things, whereas before, like maybe you get a Nebula, right? Hugo is pretty pretty difficult, right? But uh, I, I think that this has opened up, uh, you know, the field to a lot of writers who might not have been uh, getting those nods from uh, the, the field as it was before with Dragon Award sort of helped uh, broaden those things out. So to the extent that it's democratized things, I think it's already done that, uh, which is great, you know? All right, that is a very wise answer. You, you get the nod on this one question. So if we're keeping score at home, Take a shot. I don't know. Oh yeah. Well, after the after the thing. Yeah, yeah. After you vote. After you vote. All right, Doc. Back to you. No, we were supposed to take shots. No, I thought Rick was. No, Rick already said what they said. Okay. So, I was kind of choking. Do you have I mean, an answer? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to. Right, well, it is close to what what Jeff was saying. That, that no. Uh, I mean, it's nice that I mean it does tell you to some extent what your fans are paying closest attention to. So, you know, you're, you're going to want to feed that need because, I mean, maybe, maybe you make money off a whole bunch of different things, but, you know, you, uh, you don't know what is the passion of your fans unless they tell you. And a lot of fans don't feel comfortable contacting authors directly. So something like this tells you, yeah, they like this book. They like this series. They like this kind of novel. So... And, and if you're listening at home and you don't vote or you, you're not confident your book is going to win, but you still want to 
influence the readers to write the series that you're digging. You don't have to wait till Dragon Con comes around every year and vote. You can just join their newsletter and then reply to the newsletter and say, hey, I really look like book whatever. Please write the next one. That helps too. You can email them. This is the modern age, just in case you didn't know. Yeah, we uh, reviews, reviews, book reviews, right? Well, we, so I mean, we live in the social media age, so you know, a lot of uh, the interactions that you know, and now Jonathan has seen uh, from you know since we've been co-writing. I have a very active Facebook group, and people come in there all the time. Like, we get new people in every day, and they're constantly like talking about what they'd like to see, and they'll they'll theorize on different series, and they'll say what they're reading. Uh, they'll make book recommendations. Rick's books have come up in there. And it's it's great. It's the best kind of interaction um, system that you could hope for. It's better than email. It's better than anything else because you can re- react in real time. That sort of uh, back and forth that that helps me a lot with coming up with new ideas and deciding where to go next and deciding if I have three different concepts in front of me, which one I should do because that's what the people you know in the group or in email, like wherever I'm getting it from, like that's where they're interested, you know, in going next. So, you know, since Jonathan and I have been working together, he's been in there, what, every day talking to people just about? Yeah. yeah so that's a great resource. Reaching out to me with direct messaging. Yeah. Telling me what they think, what they want to see, what they want to, uh, where we should go. Why don't we write about this character? <laughs> Yeah, What's we wrong put, with you? Why aren't you writing about my favorite character? We put a lot of time and energy into building that community up. And, uh, you know, we don't allow politics or, you know, anything. You, you allow a lot of cats. A lot of cats. <laughs> a lot of pet memes and stuff. A lot, a lot of, of sci-fi talk. And uh, and it's great, you know. A lot of people only come onto social media to be in that, you know, in that group and talk about stuff. So I recommend if you're a reader and uh, you want to talk to authors directly, reach out on social media. Have a conversation. I got, I've got, it's funny. I get messages from people who are like in Hungary or in uh, Australia, you know, and Poland. People <laughs> tell me they read my books. It's like, it's really cool. Just knowing they have that far of a reach. Yeah, it is. I had, I had a, uh, uh, someone asked me, why don't I put a cook in one of my books? Because he had been a cook in the British army. And I did, and I named it after him. And the character actually <laughs> lived through I me. Mean, he made it through quite a few books as an important character. And our cooks were very murderous in one one. So yeah, I can see that working. Well, what what happened with this guy though is he he fell off my newsletter list, and I contact I tried to contact him and ask him why, and I found out that he just passed away. Oh, and then uh, three weeks later, I get an email from his son of the eulogy that the vicar had given. And the last, it was six pages long. The last page was all about me, how he he was helping this famous science fiction writer, and how he would be every he would get up he was bedridden, so he'd get up in the morning to open up his laptop to see if I'd replied to his last email and stuff, and it just really hit me hard. And I happened to be going to London for twenty books, and he's from it was from about three hours outside of London, so his family came down to see me so they could take a picture with his picture on a chair in the family. And I gave him uh, a signed copy uh, of the book where his namesake. And, and that right there hit me more than anything else in my writing career, that what we do matters. You know, we, we sit here joking around as, as writers and this and that, and, we, and, and 
you know, the bad review we got, how funny that is, and all this kind of stuff. But there are people out there who pay attention to every word we write, and it means something to them. It means something to their life. And, and to me, that was my single best experience in my writing career. Yeah, there's, a, there's been people who come to me like saying that they appreciated that Cam Alvarez from Drop Trooper was, you know, from Mexico, you know, that was a Mexican-American. Um, or that like one of the characters in another book is suffering from PTSD and that speaks to them because they did too, you know. It's, I've gotten those. Yeah. You, it, it, it can be surprising like that when you write these characters, you don't even think about it. Like I wrote about a, an albino child in Renegade Star, this little girl um, who had white hair and everything. And she was referred to as, as albino. And I get an email from like the head of some organization uh, that specialized in that, you know, just albino kids. And he had two children, um, one of which was albino and one was blind. And we had two characters in the books and one was blind and one was albino. And he's, you know, he's like, you know, um, not, not the blind one, uh, reads the, uh, the books to, uh, you know, to the one who can't. And they really relate to these characters that you created. And I was like blown away. That was the first time anyone had ever reached out to me about that stuff. And uh, now I've gotten, you know, just countless messages from people and about how they see themselves in these characters. And it is very humbling when you read those things. I, I had a run-in of sorts kind of like that this summer with one of your books, um, oh. Messenger series. Yeah. There was a kid my in a special needs camp with the same name as Dash's name. Oh, and okay. And he just doesn't like his name. Yeah. And I uh, went, oh, it's really cool. Now it's and, cool. And, and here, and so his mom went and got the book. Oh my God. And he really likes his name much better uh, now. That is so cool. Thank you for telling me yeah. that. I'm going to go tell Terry right after this. That is so awesome. So, I think, actually, I, I told Terry tomorrow. as it was happening because I was on the phone with them. Right oh, now. okay. Okay. You'd think you know from The Incredibles that that's cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you for well, telling Dash me that. Dash is the character's nickname. So it's really um, Noonan mm -hmm. is the name of the character. So her mom, his mom's really into science, and she goes, maybe it was too hard a name for a kid, too much to carry. <laughs> oh, Chris, that's amazing. Chris, what were you gonna say? I wasn't. I was just listening. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sometimes you have that face that says you're gonna say something. Oh no, I was um, I was misleading. It's very intense. Oh, we got chili for dinner. Whatever. <laughs> All right, so. Um, do you, we've talked about a little bit, and you mentioned this in your last, well, not your last, but one of your answers, Chris, that uh, if the change was going to happen to the writing side of things, it would have already. So let's talk about the, the categories themselves. Do you think we're going to see an expansion of the categories? And if so, what do you think those might be? For instance, I could see them adding uh, something for best cover art because I think the, the quality of indie cover art alone has grown dramatically since you know early 2000 2011 range to now uh, I, i've seen better quality even from trad pub covers uh it's just one example so um, do you see an expansion of categories and if so which one we'll go with you chris first since i mentioned your name um i would like to see something for shorter fiction maybe that's novellas yes. or maybe that's short stories um just because 
especially the short story was such an important, you know, sort of medium for sci-fi for so long um, that not having a spot for it seems weird to me. Um, and we, you know, maybe that'll help make them a little bit more like what they used to be again, too, in terms of the, the role they played in, in helping to build, you know, careers for new writers and things like that. Um, and, and also just as, as an art form in and of themselves. So I'd, I'd like to see that. I'm pretty passionate about short content as well. We have a whole series where we just interview people about their short stories, short interviews on short stories, because I, I, I just, I, you know, that's where I started reading sci-fi was, was the short content. So that was a very good answer. And you get bonus points. Drink another shot, people. <laughs> if you're still sober and have a liver. Um, Rick, what about you? I'm not familiar with the inner workings of the dragons. Uh, Cisco probably be more likely to know than me. I mean, if you ask me if I'd like them to, yeah, I, I would like to, I would like the short story category as well. Um, probably one for each for science fiction and fantasy. I wouldn't mind seeing military science fiction decoupled from fantasy. It just seems like an odd combination. Well, it's military Uh, fantasy and military science fiction. I know. I'd like to see, I'd like to see those split apart because they're, they're really kind of different in a lot of ways. Um, Post-apocalyptic should definitely come back. Whoever got rid of it, slap them. <laughs> it was Josh. He's not rid of it. Is, a, is still a very, very popular category. Oh, yeah. Fans, they love it. I don't see why it's not there anymore. Okay. What about you? What do you mean, Jonathan? Like, I kind of agree with what Chris and Rick said. I think post, uh, post-apocalypse is, I think, the fourth largest uh, subgenre within science fiction. So I think it should be there. Um, if alternate history, and I'm nothing wrong about alternate history, but if that's there, then I definitely think we should have post-apoc. Um, I also like the idea of shorter fiction, uh, whether we go all the way down to, you know, short story, novelette, novella, I don't know. Uh, it'd be great. But even just a shorter fiction category uh, for works that are, are less, I think 70,000 is the limit for the, for the dragons now. Um, and I think what you said about uh, you know, we're, we have a lot of stuff in the dragons for comic books and things like that. Well, why not book covers? Uh, I love going when I go to Worldcon and, and and all of those. I love going through the art exhibits and just all I'm thinking about is okay, that's oh wow, I've seen that as a book cover, or I this would be a great book cover. So I, I just find that fascinating. Okay, Jeff. Um, man, I'd like to see a few things added. Uh, like Rick said, categories, uh, dystopian, post-apocalyptic, uh, seems desperately needed. I think you could also get away with something like um, alien invasion, possibly, or even just doing a broad sweeping contemporary science fiction where it takes place in the modern day, like techno thrillers and that sort of thing, separating that from you know, things that are set in space uh, in the distant future, uh, you know, so like first contact or whatever. But aside from cover art, uh, maybe an audiobook category for both genres, something like that. I don't know um, if there's if you guys do anything for that, uh, Doc. Uh, not yet. But they what? always are listening. Who knows? They're listening to audiobooks. Oh wow! I. <laughs> Yeah, it's disturbed. I, when even the Audible exec looks at you and goes, that's a lot of books. Are you sure? You know you've been reading a lot of audiobooks. <laughs> yeah, I also wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing, uh, you know, like humor or 
uh, like just a few more subcategories because alternate history is, it seems much more niche than like military sci-fi, but those are the two subcategories right now. So maybe like a few more uh, to like flatten that out might help a little bit. Like uh, cyberpunk for, as an example, that's picked up steam recently. Um, I'm not sure if cyberpunk isn't more like just like a part of a, of different genres now instead of its own genre. I think you have cyberpunk elements for sure. Yeah. Uh, in our last Reaper series, for example, there's cyberpunk elements too. But mm. then there's just flat out like cyberpunk 2077. I mean, that's very much its own thing. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how big that genre is, but I'd like to see more of that because that brings more attention to those specific um, genres and that would put eyes on certain books that may not otherwise get noticed. I have been telling them for years, I want an anthology category. That would be cool too. Yeah. Because so, I think it's going to be much easier to get a significant attraction for an entire anthology than a specific one. And anthologies are huge. There's tons of, there's at least three or four anthologies, it seems coming out every couple months that I'm like, okay, I need this one and I need that one. And then thank you for this one. There's a lot of big names in the anthologies nowadays too. Yeah. I, I, I blame other, Chris. I, the other one I'm surprised they don't, yeah, we blame Chris for that, that they don't have would be maybe like fantasy and sci-fi romance because that is a distinct genre of the romance subset that would fit in with dragons and they've got a large audience. Really, really large audience. Oh yeah. Although having a lot. The second, second biggest uh, subgenre in science fiction is what I, I just don't know how you keep that family friendly. So it's, well, it's they, got, I, I, I went to, at ten o'clock at night. I went to the RWA convention and I didn't know there were that many categories in romance. Uh, there are a lot. But then oh yeah. There is there are a lot of readers too? Is, is there an urban fantasy category anywhere in the uh, Dragon Awards, or is urban that would be record? included in the paranormal? Okay, which is part and, of the uh, there's an urban fantasy track. The director's super sweet and nice. Mm. She's like your favorite librarian mm. ever. <laughs> yeah, I think more more fantasy categories would be cool too. Just, I always am game for that. Yeah. I'm like five. She's addicted. You know, you would think as the fantasy literature track director, she would know that Pern and Dragons was fantasy. You <laughs> think that as a person who doesn't understand science, you'd stop trying to decide what is and isn't science. <laughs> uh, she pulls her I trump you because I'm an actual scientist card out. Okay. Question 12 is you, Doc. Uh, so what do you think you'll do if you win your, and make the final... Why do you try and make me read questions you write? Um, what do you think you'll do if you actually win? Chris, you've been so silent, you get to go first. Uh, oh, well, I... That's uh, what happens. I used to teach. Be surprised, I guess. Uh, I, uh, I I expect uh, to be beaten, if not by one of you guys, by Larry Correa, certainly. So, oh, yeah, uh, Larry, I, I, Larry Correa. <laughs> I, I'm expecting Larry to steamroll me, so I'm, I am I will be flabbergasted if I win. Uh, but then I will uh, I will flex on Larry when I see him in Salt Lake. So. He's uh, my favorite midget. <laughs> who, me? Or no, Larry. Is he short? No, Larry's no, like no. six four. Oh, okay. Larry is, than that, Larry's average sized in my family. 
I called like, him that to his face when I met him, though. I told him he was my favorite midget. He just patted me on the head. He said, oh, you little people. <laughs> that sounds like Larry. Oh, man. But no, I, I expect I expect to be steamrolled, so uh, I will be surprised. So if you're a fan of his, go out and vote for him so he's he's surprised. This, this is in your hands, the power. It's yours. Well, the good part, Chris, is that you'll never know how much he got beaten by they don't, they don't share that, do they? It was no. by one vote. No, we don't. Yeah, it might have been by one vote. Larry, Larry's like a thousand, and you're nine ninety nine. You don't. That's know. what I'll tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cope. As I go catch up for all the shots I've not. Almost did it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you were this close. So sad. Who, who okay. gets the answer next, Doc? Jonathan does. I will jump up and down, scream and shout, run around, bump into people, grab Jeff, give him a big old kiss right in the breath. We did it. <laughs> See, this is how you have the sharp classes restarting. <laughs> okay. I think John, I think Jeff will be happy enough he'll consent. Oh, Fair definitely. Enough. Yeah. So will you go wild and crazy and do a medium rare? Or like super oh. rare steak this time? Oh no, yeah, no, we'd uh, we'd definitely go out and celebrate. I'd buy Jonathan a beer, probably a steak too. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I can't even imagine like the honor of winning that. Uh, it, that would be career defining. So I think I would be uh, humbled that entire night and probably just in awe. So Rick, how about you? Well, uh, my first thought would be that they made a mistake in counting. Um, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Larry's fan base is just like huge, and when he tells people to buy somebody's book, that person makes like tens of thousands of dollars in a in a in a week. So I'm pretty sure that they've got that sewn up. But if by some miracle I won, I would probably just like sit there stunned. And then that night I would, uh, you know, buy a lobster, you know, just splurge, get the most expensive meal I could. Oh, I think whoever wins has to buy the other guys yeah, a, that's uh, what I a heard. drink. Yeah. That's I, will, that's I will definitely, I will definitely <laughs> do that for those of you that are there. All right. So this is the important, the most <laughs> important question of the evening. All right. So in your head, all right, you've won the award. Where will you display it? Jeff, you get to go first this time. Right there. Oh, the bookshelf behind you. That's oh, that's where I put all my trophies, man. I got my little Foxy Stardust bobblehead right here <laughs> from the Kickstarter. You know, all my books and everything. So, yeah, probably right there. Okay. All right. Uh, Jonathan? Those are, if you could see it, not really well. Those are my Nebula plat, uh, certificates. I would put a little shelf right there, and that's where it would go, right in the middle. You would have to make sure to baby-proof it, just to be safe. It has to be up high enough, but they've got – I've got my science fiction trading card, my Jonathan Brazy trading card. That one will come down, and the award would take the place of honor right in the middle. Outstanding. All right, Rick, where are you going to put it? Um, well, uh, right for right now, I'd put it on – we have, like, a trophy shelf where we have, like – the kids' trophies from high school and, and from, so from soccer and swimming and, and mine from when I used to compete in, you know, 
triathlons and races and stuff, but probably put it there for now, but we're about to move. So in the new house, I will put a shelf on the wall, actually a couple of shelves for my books and I'd have the trophy in the middle. Oh man. You have a, you have a trophy like shelf for your whole family. Yeah. yeah. I got to give me one of those so I can put nothing on it. Your moment to shine. I love you, but my trophy is going and yours are just somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, son. T-ball goes. <laughs> All right, Chris. I understand you just built an entire third floor on your house just to put your office. So you're going to go fourth just for the trophy? Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it'll go on the roof. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not done yet, so it's going to live in here until I can finally move everything upstairs. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. And then we'll see about putting it on the on, on the roof, yeah. Search <laughs> so. or spotlights, you know, so everyone can see. Yeah, exactly. And everyone else, what the hell is that? What's a dragon award? But you're getting the, the you're getting a new story built on it anyway. Just build like a giant version of it. For the <laughs> roof, <you know? laughs> well, he's got pictures on his Instagram, so if you, if you follow the 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 story's already pretty much added, so he would have to actually add another one for his for his trophy. But yeah, that's a good thing. Make your roof look like the dragon award. Yeah, exactly. It'll go on top of the chimney. It could be the, it could be like the never ending like story. The house on fire. Well, could, uh, could you get one of those inflatable little guys over there that just made you a dragon yeah. award? Got the fan blowing at your, you know, right at your driveway. I can hear the HOA complaining already. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, then on that note, uh, we're going to ask each of you, and you're going to tell us how we can find you. And as usual, dear listener, the links will be in the show notes, so check them out. We're going to start with you, Rick. Where can listeners find you? I have rickpartlow.com as my website. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash duty honor planet. Um, Rick Partlow 66 on Twitter, which honestly, I rarely use it for anything. So uh, pretty much Facebook is the best place to find me or go on Amazon, look for my Amazon author page. I'm pretty much the only Rick Partlow on there. All right, Jonathan, how can the listeners find you? My website is jonathanbrazy.com. My Facebook is Jonathan Brazy. My other Facebook is Jonathan Brazy Author. There's a little theme going here. Uh, my uh, Twitter is Jonathan Brazy. And that's enough. If you, uh, you can find me with those, and I will I will answer back. Okay. Jeff? jayandchaney.com. Uh, if you want to jump into the group and have a conversation, you can search for Jay and Chaney's Renegade Readers on Facebook. Um, and I'm in there every day and I respond to every post. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Lots of shenanigans happen in there. I'm in that group. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear God. Uh, half of this yeah. panel's in that group. <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, how can listeners find you? Uh, so my website's solanempire.com, S-O-L-L-A-N empire.com. But the best place these days actually is my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash books. All right. That's a unique naming uh, structure. Uh, it might have been simpler if you just used your name, but with a last name like yours, maybe Sun Eater is easier. I don't know. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, uh, everyone misses the U. So. Every time I hear your name, I think about Pulp Fiction and the guy named Tony Rocky Horror. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a new one. <laughs> it reminded me of Ralph Macchio. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're pretty similar structurally Italian names, so I yeah. still don't know what it means. My grandfather couldn't tell me. Huh. So. <laughs> All right. And um, yeah. What was that? 
your grandfather needs to uh, go back to school to learn what his name means, apparently. Or you can yeah. just ignore him. It was the last of our family who spoke Italian, so. Yeah, that would help. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you can find us, dear listener, on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sf underscore fantasy underscore show sierra foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show you can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com i promise we do answer it so far we've only gotten one letter from you listeners and it was hate mail so I, while i do approve <laughs> no seriously somebody told me i should get rid of elvis because it's unprofessional that he made noise um but it's okay elvis is staying um, you can join us on Facebook on our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast, facebook.com backslash groups backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. You can support the show at www.buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley, where you can make a one-time donation. Be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast. I promise I will keep my co-host Nick Garber and Doc Seska duly intoxicated. They will drink until their liver surrenders. Never quit. Never surrender. Or you can support us on a monthly basis over at anchor.fm backslash blasters and dash blades where you can do it for as little as 99 cents a month or as much as your heart desires. Helps keep the light on and um, keeps my my hosts intoxicated because they like me better when they're drunk. Imagine that. Hmm. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Doc, bring it home. (laughs) Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. Before we go... Don't forget to go vote. Voting closes the Saturday of Dragon Con, also known as September 4th at midnight, because the award is given out on the 5th. So keep track. Um, I'm Suska. This was J.R. Handley. We uh we hid Nick away somewhere. But we are the Blasters and Plays podcast. We'll be back next time. Same place, same love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, things that go boom, and picking on JR, because why would we do anything else? <laughs> and pineapple does not belong on pizza. This is how we. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. It does. Oh, we got the Italian hands. We win. Yeah.